Yo, what's up, dude? How you doing, brother? Yo, I'm doing great, Lance. I'm doing great, man. Just getting used to this time change. We're on day two of the time change. We're living. We're loving. We're still out there. We're uh, staying light until 7.30 or 8 at night. Ooh, that light life. I like it. I know. I like Uh it, too. I was out on my roof on Sunday, and we uh, were just sitting, hanging out with some friends, and it stayed out. We stayed out until yeah, about seven thirty. Uh, it was great. Still, light was out there. It was awesome. So, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah, I was out and about on Sunday as well, and uh, it was crazy to be like, "Oh man, I don't have to like go shelter inside mm-hmm. like a like a termite <laughs> at today five o'clock." I sh- today I sheltered like a turtle. That's for sure. I uh, got up at six, like put on some clothes to go do some yoga, and then. I was just too cold and it was dark and I just went, Nope, this isn't happening right now. And crawled back into bed and got warm and passed out for like another hour or so. I don't blame you, son. I don't blame you. I mean, the, I mean, it gets dark later now. I think we just need to all join together and boycott the shit out of this thing. Oh, I got boycotts on boycotts on boycotts. (laughs) Oh, nice. Uh, Let's hear your first, let's hear We'll uh, we'll talk about boycotting the November through March part of the daylight savings, and then we'll go into your first boycott. All right, all right, yeah. No, I mean, I I, I like the idea that we're not changing times; that we're just keeping it as is. If people are going to get up at five in the morning, they're used to it being dark anyways. It's not a new thing for somebody to get up and be like, "Oh, it's still dark outside." Uh, giving us more time later in the day to get stuff done is great. It's not like anywhere really opens up that's outside anyways until it's light naturally. You know, Dude. Parks are opening up at nine. Always going to have light. Your restaurants, bars, your uh, grocery stores, anything that you're going to do during the day, they're open to like eight or nine at night at least. Preach, so brother Lance. You're sitting there going, oh, cool. So we're going to have an hour of sunlight at 6 a.m. when there's nothing to do. Versus being able to spend that extra hour getting stuff done later on in the day. Get out of here. Brother Lance coming down from the mountaintop to drop Ah. bombs. He drops bombs on us. I completely agree, man. It's it's My a, bombs it's are an like egalit- Santa Claus presents though. They're nice. It's it's an egalitarian sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. so it's like, how are is there more people awake at 6 p.m. or 6 a.m.? Are there more people like that can enjoy the daylight at the 6 a.m. or the 6 Mm p.m. And I'm just a firm believer that we need to uh, go the way of Arizona, like the desert folk, and ban the shit out of that. It just makes sense, man. It wasn't even a thing until like 1918. Some dumbass senator like wrote it into law. So it's, it's not like we even need to be doing this. This is like a hundred years old. It's as old as the Spanish flu. So I think we can get rid of it. Well, I personally had a problem with it yesterday. Dude, me too, I man. To watch, I went to watch a Liverpool game and last week it was scheduled for three o'clock. Right. So I made, I like scheduled out my time and I knew that I had this meeting at six o'clock. Well, of course I didn't think, Oh yeah, it's going to be at four o'clock because the Brits aren't going to change. I think they change in like two weeks. Um, but we're the first ones to change. So, so stupid. I went and I was like, oh man, cool. Let me watch this game. Oh, it's at four o'clock now. 
oh, great. I'm either going to have to miss the first part of my meeting or the last part of the game. So I, I did a compromise. I left watching the game, listened to it in my car, and then got to my meeting at 6.05, 6.06. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's it's not that late. middle ground. Well, did you bring a folks. did you bring a pen with you? A pen? Yeah. I always have a pen. I don't know okay, where you're going good. with this one. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just, just always saying. bring a pen. Is that well, our I'm new? I'm just saying, if you're a little bit late, but you arrive with a pen, then you're like, all right, oh, this okay. guy gets a break because he's prepared. If you he arrive with a cup of, if you arrive with a Starbucks, then you're gonna get your ass. Beat. Oh yeah. No, no, I arrived with my, you know, my canister of water that you could tell I filled up earlier in the day. Brought out okay. like my books and had my notebook and I was all ready for it. You're all ready. Yeah, You're the first all ready. 10 minutes or so is just, you know, it's always set up and gossip and hey, how are yeah. you today? So Yeah, exactly. Just a bunch of vegetables yeah. being thrown around. Well, preach, Brother Lance. Let's get on a mountaintop again and uh, let's go with the first boycott and we'll uh, we'll roll from there. Oh, cool. Well, the first boycott's gonna take me a minute or two to get to the get to the point. Uh, I wanted to finish out the uh, uh, drugs as weapons they use against us documentary and book that we started about a month ago now and then we got sidetracked working on other things and talking about other stuff and me not necessarily yeah. wanting to get as heated as i might get by the end of this but i have yoga to do after this now so i will come nice. back to woosah for my day yeah um, it's yes. been a while yeah so just to catch you up and the listeners up on um what we were talking about you know a month ago uh there's this awesome documentary and book called Drugs as Weapons They Use Against Us. It's by this dude, John Potash, P-O-T-A-S-H. Uh, check it out. It's on Amazon's the documentary, the book you can find wherever the heck you want to find a book. Um, the whole gist of the first half of this documentary and book, um, uh, we talked about, like we said, a month ago. And I'm just going to do a really quick summary of what that was. Uh, in the 1700s, uh, the British engaged in opium wars. Uh, there was one family uh, in the U.S. that sort of latched onto that and made a ton of money in taking over opium fields and the opium crop and distribution and bringing it back to the U.S. That was the Russell family. The Russell families married into the Morgan family, which then brought money to the Morgans, uh, the Vanderbilts, the uh, Rockefellers and the Carnegie's, so the robber barons of the 1700s, those big names where you see roads all over the place. They created the, their, later on, basically through their money, the Department of Eugenics was created in the U.S. The Department of Eugenics uh, was then sort of brought into the, CIA, the fold of the CIA when the CIA was created after World War II. Um, there's two main, uh, two main operations that we spoke about, Operation Paperclip, which was bringing Nazi scientists and experts from Germany under U.S. tax-paying money, under this guise of saying we want their expertise, guys that had participated in eugenics programs, um, were just bad dudes, and were brought to the U.S., and then also were brought down into South America and Central America, given jobs, given names, given money. Us taxpayers paid for Nazi scientists to live a grand old life for the most part. Second one was Operation Paperclip. Paperclip was, I'm sorry, was uh, Operation MK Ultra, and this is where we got into our heavy conversation. The U, the CIA was using um, 
mind altering drugs, specifically LSD to create this mindset within the leftist and countercultural movements, which messed up a lot of people. The people that messed up were, uh, what is his name? Paul Robson Jr. Uh, crazy story. Look him up. I mean, the CIA was responsible for the CIA, MI5, or the FBI was specifically responsible for dosing Lenin, um, George Harrison, their first time. Um, was There's some evidence that says that uh, Jimi Hendrix was dosed um, his first time. And these big Joni Mitchell, um, these big, you know, characters in the countercultural movement that were celebrity status um and all of this was under the under the control of timothy leary the godfather of lsd uh, who in the late early 70s actually turned around and said don't take lsd surprisingly enough he came out and admitted that he was working for the cia that whole time and said this isn't what we wanted it to be um, there were, there's good aspects to using hallucinogenics in the right way. We've talked about that on different podcasts, but this is specifically the use by our government in order to dose the population to get them basically numb them during Vietnam and the civil rights movement in order for, uh, the control of drugs essentially to be still under, you know, the big wig control because our main, our main purpose for being in Vietnam was control of the Golden Triangle, um, which produces, or at the time produced the most uh, opium in the world. So we were bringing in opium from Laos, Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, under, through the CIA, giving it to pharmaceutical companies, and the rich were making a ton of money. That brings us all up. That was my good little two-minute summary. All right, summary. All right. we're caught up. We're caught, we're caught up. up. And I'm, st I'm still here, by the way, guys. Don't yeah. worry, I haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry about that rant. Uh, I just wanted to get us caught up for anybody that hadn't listened. For anybody that hasn't listened, go back to our previous episode. Hey, Ray, did you like the podcast? And it goes into much further information. Cool, 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 cool. So, um, yeah, so that's going to start us off with uh, – I, and I won't go as far into the details as I did in the last one um, – but there's this theme that's gone on with uh, the use of this started out with drugs as weapons they use against us. Well, we had LSD that was used in the sixties to stop the countercultural movements and to dumb down the, you know, the activist population that was for passive engagement in the world, anti-Vietnam civil rights. From that you had, you led into from the sixties into the seventies. Um, you still had the civil rights movements uh, trying to, gain a foothold. And the big thing that happened there um, that I just sort of wanted to talk about were um, the use of the, the militarization of the police um, in order to, quote unquote, stop the war on drugs. So it was drugs as weapons they use against us first actively giving us drugs to pacify us, and now introducing drugs into communities in order to create this suppression in order to gain like military essentially military clout over communities um via police force uh, and uh it was there's i mean there's crazy stories if anybody doesn't know the story of fred hampton i can do a whole do you know fred hampton by the way no 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton. He's the yeah. Black Panther that got murdered by the FBI. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, we should yeah. definitely do a whole nother one on that. Whole different podcast on him. Um, do you know the story of uh, Tupac's stepdad, uh, uh, Matulu? Um, I don't think so. Uh, just really quick. Um, so Tupac's stepdad and his mom, um, Tupac does, he has a very active relationship with his stepdad uh, or did uh, Matu, Matulu was framed for, he wasn't framed. He was charged with conspiracy to um, rob a armed truck because he happened to at one point have been in the same room with the people that did the robbery. There was no evidence to show that he was part of the robbery, that he had anything to do with the planning of it. It was a complete conspiracy behind it just to get him tossed in jail because he was very active in the Black Panther movement, was very active in like pro peace, like trying to, you know, change things as they were to change the status quo and was framed for or was jailed for conspiracy to commit robbery with absolutely no evidence. Um, wow. He was, he's still in jail, uh, basically was given a lifetime sentence. And it was uh, Tupac's, in a way, relationship with his stepfather uh, that just really zoned in the FBI's interest in him um, when he was coming out with, you know, some of the, the greatest hip hop and rap out there the fbi caught on and then really started watching him when he would go and visit his his uh, stepdad so his stepdad and him were trying to build a, a a new version of um the black panthers and this new social program uh it's why tupac was so big into like the peace truces between the gangs why he would have these peace concerts and bring in you know bloods and the crypts to have their their bosses come and sit down and have a conversation well, you know, that would have peace in, you know, drug ridden lands. That wouldn't have been good if, if it wasn't shown that drugs are the cause of all the violence and you couldn't have this war on drugs. Um, and this war on drugs that we talk about is particularly with, in the early 90s was the war on crack, right? It was the crack epidemic. <laughs> well, Crack epidemic was essentially created. Do you know? Do you know a lot of this? The background story on crack or nah? Yeah, I do. You want to chime in, or you just want me to roll for a second, see where um, I'm going? Yeah, what, what? Yeah, I'll see where you're going. Cool. Um, so after after we lost in Vietnam, the 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 drug game sort of slid away. Uh, we didn't have access to opium, uh, or you know the dealers of the U S didn't have their access to opium. So they needed to find a different source of income. Um, and the closest neighbor down in South America, where we have good old cocoa, cacao, the good old white powder. Let's go skiing on a desert mountain. Um, and this is where it all sort of starts to tie together. No, it seems like it's wild. A lot of the contacts that were uh, were being used were the old German scientists that had established themselves down in Central and South America. Um, in Bolivia, uh, we were overthrowing the 
nat we were overthrowing the governments at the time to put in dictators and we were doing the same um that was you know uh, Che Guevara trying to shut down his revolution was specifically to gain control of regions that cocaine was being made and manufactured and grown um re really manufactured but you know you have to have the cocoa plant and we were using scientists from operation paperclip to destabilize the governments that were anti-drugs in order to allow for there to be these dictators that we could just basically pay off in order to bring crack up to coke and crack up to the u.s um as soon as uh this started to happen that's where we get our first real the war on drugs like the really big reagan war on drugs and it's not really a coincidence that reagan's vp you know what reagan's vp did before he was his vp first off who was reagan's vice president bush bush yeah uh hw do you what is, do you is this like what, some sort of test <laughs> yeah 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 i'm just it's trivia i'm bringing you into the fold you know why not? <laughs> do you recall what uh bush uh hw did before he was vice president he was with the like the DEA or something. He was the head of the CIA. Oh yeah, wrong wrong three letter word. Yeah, um, he was. <laughs> he was in charge of the CIA while over all of these like secret covert ops were going on in Central South America to throw over the government. When we were, uh, you know, tossing the Bolivian and Argentinian governments out for the dictators that have basically destroyed everything. Um, when we were uh, sending in operatives to train up militia groups to take out Che Guevara, we were using Nazi scientists, uh, specifically Klaus Ottmann. You can look him up on your own. Um, but Bush basically created this billion dollar industry of cocaine and crack, stepped into the White House with Reagan, and then they both started preaching this war on drugs. They both started preaching this, hey, we need to start weaponizing our police force. We need to start militarizing our police force. The police beforehand, it was, oh, hey, you're drunk. Here's your, you know, go sleep it off for a day in these small towns. But now we have police forces that have military grade weapons. You know, the civil rights, we, we look back on these horrendous pictures where there's dogs and there's fire hoses being used to break up the crowds think about the think about the force that was used to break up black lives matter and to break up the protests over the past summer it wasn't fire hoses and it wasn't dogs it was military grade weapons and all of that came from this this made up idea or this made up war Government was yeah. bringing in drugs, and then the government was weaponizing the police in order to fight the drugs. And any time anybody decided to stand up and say, nah, this isn't good, we actively took them out. So from the 70s and the 80s, we built up the crack game. In the 80s, we started again with uh, going into the Middle East because we realized, oh, crack's good, but opium, you make a t shit ton of money as well. in. so we started investing heavily into the Golden Triangle in the Middle East. Which happens to be Afghanistan. <laughs> the longest war that the U.S. has ever been in before the war in Afghanistan was Vietnam. Vietnam was 
essentially when you boil it down, it was about money. It was about gaining control of the opium trade again. It's all about drugs, man. This yeah. thing is, it's insanely corrupt. And it, it's the, uh, it's, it's the underground pipeline that you kind of like, it's, it's, it's the underground form of control. You, mm -hmm. you take it, you just, it's, it's your way of controlling people without control, without looking like you're the one controlling them or mm -hmm. like, oh, like you said, overthrowing governments and stuff. It's really despicable when you think about it. Cause oh, you know, and now they're like, um, Oh, big pharma is like, solely responsible for the uh opioid crisis and i'm like wait why were those people addicted to all that heroin to begin with you know so it's we're you know the american people are an amazing group of people but our government is something else man we i i love i love the u.s government but not really man they they're crazy dude they're crazy well, we talk about the opium, you know, crisis that's happening currently. When we stepped into uh, Afghanistan in the 80s under the guise of, you know, again, stopping the Soviets from coming on down, sort of reminds you of Vietnam. <laughs> we essentially gave a ton of money to a you know a, a tribal lord that allowed us to go in and take as many opium plants as we wanted so we were we built this relationship with a tribal leader warlord and said okay just give us the opium well that worked for a little while until the taliban stepped in and said drugs are bad okay um, yeah over um, by 2000, when the Taliban had stepped in in the late 80s, the Taliban alone, and I'm not saying there's good, this is, I'm not defending the Taliban. I will say that they wiped out over 70% of the world's production of heroin. That's how much opium was coming out of um, Afghanistan in the 90s. That's insane. They, because they said opium is bad, drugs are bad, we're going to start burning the crops. And so they just burned them. And because of them, eight, there was a drop in heroin and it was over 80%. There, they, we think it was about seven, I'm sorry, over 70%. They think it was about 71% of the world's heroin directly came out of um, <laughs> Afghanistan and they shut it down. Damn, man. That's next level. That's, uh, it's, it's insanely corrupt. Although, you know, I'm, I tend to believe that there is going to be a rise, a revolution in farming, and uh, there's going to be a new geopolitical uh, restructuring for a couple different ways. One is indoor farming. So you're going to be able to, for better or worse, grow these crops wherever you want to. You're not going to have to grow them in certain uh, weather conditions and certain mm -hmm. soil. Another one is our transfer of reliance to, from fossil fuels to electricity and solar panels. So all of a sudden, where it used to be, oh, everyone with the oil has a lot of power. Mm -hmm. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go to like places that are really sunny all the time that have a lot of power. And the third one is humans, man. Humans. There is a 
population crisis going on in multiple places, including the U.S., but the most severe one is in China. They're looking to have like a 50% drop off in the population in the next 25 years. But it's all different mechanisms of control and what you can do with that control. So if you control drugs, you control dark money and dark money is very powerful. Oh, we're getting there. I'll, I'll, I'll speed up on that one just real quick. Since 2001, when we stepped back into Afghanistan, so in the 90s, the Taliban took out 71%. We've seen a 75% increase in production in heroin in the world. There's been 75% more. And so we're dealing with billions of tons of heroin at this point. I mean, and look, just look at Purdue Pharma, legal heroin as well. So it's, uh, it's a, it's an epidemic uh, on, it's a multifaceted thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, like a little kid with his finger in multiple pies, like a little chubby, rosy cheeked kid with like his fingers in a bunch of different pies. That's like what the the U S government is right Mm -hmm. now. Well, let's be serious. Money. Do you want to most? Yeah. Most governments are, are kind of nuts and insane oh, and yeah. psycho- oh, psychopathic. Yeah. I would put, I don't know what your personal ranking is. Mine is Chinese government, Russian government, U S government, gold, silver, bronze. I think it. Oh man. That it really just depends on what, like what aspect. It's like in personal freedom. Yeah. I'd put it that way. Oh, well, if, if we're doing only personal freedom, then North Korea is at the top. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but like I'm talking about like, like overall inf- like shadiness, sheer, pow- sheer shady powerness, sheer shady. See, I don't know, man. I think like I think the shady power of the U.S., it's so shady that we don't even know most of it. Like in China, at least you're like, ah, they're shady. In Russia, we're like, ah, they're shady. In the U.S., we go. <laughs> What is this like CIA black budget that's over here? Like we don't even know what this is about. Like, and, and we, then you start to question it. money everywhere else that we don't even know how like extensive. Like, oh, what? So this government just like Myanmar right now. How do we not know that the CIA wasn't funneling money into Myanmar to bring back like the coup? We don't. We've done this so many times. We can't. We. We cannot say that the CIA wasn't involved in the coup in Myanmar it's until the documents are released. It's yeah, and we're not going to see that for seventy years. That's sad because that's like such an insanely speculative thing to say, and then on the and then not at all insane yeah. at, at the same time. You know, we so just don't it, have it, any it is, proof either way. <laughs> it's like we start we start to question things, and then like a jazz solo version of the Star Spangled Banner starts playing, and it like drowns it out. Like, oh my god! Yes! Oh, I'm I'm. <laughs> let's rejoice! My cup runneth over. I've forgotten what I was trying to look into. Uh-huh. It's like yeah. Oh, and you know, here here's here's a coup. Oh, here's a stimulus check. Go look yeah. at that. Go play with that over there. Woo, here's exciting. a here's a coup there's a coup everywhere a coup, coup, coup. Coup. <laughs> <laughs> oh man we're all just chickens with our heads cut off man but uh dude okay so this is i and i'm so glad you brought up the dark money because this is really what yeah. all of this was about so this entire two podcast episode is about me just wanting to get to this one little point spit it out lance you're you're a blue ball and son of a bitch i know 
I'm going to ask you one question, then I'll tell you. How no. much money do you, you think is invested into our stock markets that is directly due to money laundering and is from the sale of illicit drugs? Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to shoot high just to disappoint you. So you can't be like, okay. no, you're wrong. It's huge. No, I don't know. How much money, how much money in the stock market is yeah, from so illicit give, drugs? The U.S. budget right now is currently like $3.8 That's our budget. So I'll, I'll, I'll put that there. But that's not the stock market. No, no, I know. I'm just saying that that's the, so you can get a sort of a grasp of how much money is sort of out there. Yeah. Well, that's not the, that's not the biggest the budget's not the biggest market out there though. No, no, no. But um, the biggest market out there, I would guess is probably IOUs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll um, get back to that. It's just debt. I mean, our yeah. debt is, I love that TikToker at a, uh, in a uh, union union square, in New York city, just, just streams like it's just our debt racking up every yeah, second. Exactly. Of every day. And All even right. beyond, even beyond debt, I was just talking about like leverage trading, like mm. gambling with money you don't have. But um, um, okay, I I don't even fucking know, man. Like it's estimated what, between five hundred billion to one trillion dollars. Yeah, some of huge number. drug money is laundered and then put into our um, stock markets. The more if you we learn were to about actually it, actually stop the sale of illicit drugs, we would crash our stock market. If we stop the sale of illicit drugs, our stock market would crash. It would go away. We would have another, we would have a depression like uh, the 1920s. Well, it's so corrupt. It, be- uh, it's, it just makes you, it makes you pissed off that you followed the rules your whole life. You know, yeah. it's like you, you break these, uh, you break these like rules that are important not to break, but like, in the center of things, so many other rules are just being like ignored and people are ugh, yeah. cash money. Yeah, so it's, it's just rules absolutely nuts. So because like, and just to sort of sum it up, we went into Vietnam for opium. We lost that. So then we went into South America for crack and cocaine found out that that was doing pretty good. So then in the nineties went back in to figure out how to fix the opium trade again. And then, so in 2000, we started the opium trade basically back up again. So two of the, two of the worst drug pandemics we've had crack and opioids are a direct result of our government going into countries, destabilizing them in order for drugs to come out so that the Rockefellers, the Morgans, the Vanderbilts, yeah and make it's their money too, it's too damn bad it's too bad that lsd wasn't addictive you know it yeah. didn't work out because uh yeah. that that kind of backfired on them because they kind of had like a that's kind of like one of the greatest ironies of all time i think that's like a greatest hits that's got to mm-hmm. be in the greatest hits album that like that the u.s government was partially responsible for a great like psychedelic renaissance yeah and of course you know human nature we abused it and used it and you know, in moderation, guys. I wouldn't say oh. don't crack in moderation. I don't know if it's possible. Heroin well, in moderation. I don't know if it's possible. Have you ever heard of Hamilton Morris? Mm, no. Hamilton's Hamilton's Pharmacopia on Vice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, yep, yep. Okay, I knew. You know who that is? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
kind of like a skinnier guy with brown hair and glasses. Yeah, glasses. And so. Yeah, it just goes out and just basically chills with everybody and just tries it one time. He's yeah. a chemist. He's he's mm-hmm. like a, super smart. He's so smart. He's his, crazy. Uh, his expertise is in mushrooms, right? That's like his. Um, it's his expertise is chemistry. He can he can. What's well, like the chemical breakdown in shrooms? I thought like I thought he was like a. Sh- a shroomist, a shroom expertist. I don't well, know. he know. I mean, he knows a lot about mushrooms. That's for He's sure. But he also, dude. but he also knows. I wouldn't say I wouldn't put that label on him because he also knows a lot about a, a lot of other things, uh, like the DMT that comes off of a toad's back. He can be and, an uh, expert in many things. We'll yeah, yeah. But it all boils down to chemistry, is what mm-hmm. he's an expert in, and. Um, yeah, he's got some crazy podcasts out there. Uh, a lot of good ones. Uh, he's got a few on Joe Rogan. He's got a few some other places. I'll have to check him out some more. I've watched a couple of his episodes on Vice. Um, yeah. Or his spinoff from uh, like Vice News, because that's I think that's yeah. where he started. We got to get away from this, like, putting morality on the drug itself. It's, it's, it's a uh, human condition. Drugs just are a tool. So he, he talks about this where... Uh, and it's all about the form that it takes too, because mm-hmm. believe it or not, you know, uh, like a cocoa leaf, the stuff they use to make cocaine. If you make tea with that, that's like, it can be very, th- not healthy, but it's, a, it's like the most healthy way to consume the cocaine molecule. Oh yeah. Because the, the farmers like chew on it for like, light yeah, energy you could chew on it. Yeah. And, it, and, and if you, food. and if you make tea out of it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, a, a different form of caffeine. Mm-hmm. So it shows it's, it just shows, it goes to show you that uh, you could do something nuts out of something seemingly harmless. Mm-hmm. And it's about the psychopathy of people that are in a place to control levers. Yeah. So not everyone is in that place. Some people are at the behest and some people are the ones doing the controlling. Well, we have, the only thing, you know, the guys that are in control don't really care about the drugs. They just care about the money. And if you're looking for power. a, yeah, money and power. And if you are not of that elite class and you're going, how can I get to that level? How can I sort of be on par with driving, being a, a power force in the world? You're not going to work yourself. The likelihood of you becoming president is small. The likelihood of you becoming a drug kingpin is significantly greater. Like just your odds. If you're saying I want a lot of clout and power and money. Yeah. If your two points are saying I'm going to be president of the U S or I'm going to be a drug kingpin, you can probably become, you can not even probably, you can become a drug kingpin more likely. Well, that's, that's the whole thing. That's, (laughs) that's the, that's why that, that's the drug war in essence is people with power making sure other people don't get power. Yeah. Now I'm not advocating for anyone selling massive amounts of illegal street drugs. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that there's power brokers and power gained by someone in a certain way is threatening to other people. So Mm -hmm. they shut it down. Obviously they're playing the same game as we've talked about the government sanctioning these uh, drug trades and then putting a drug war on itself. So kind of like this, it's not a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know what I'd call it. It'd be like a circle of doom almost, or they, or they make the, they make two ends of this, of a tube and then like put them together to Mm -hmm. make a, to make a ring kind of. 
to like it's like so it's like self-sustaining basically i mean it was so under um bush yeah bush went so bush went from cia head to vice president under vice president created the war on drugs and then while he was president we involved in the andean campaign uh down in you know this one meanwhile can i just say before you keep going George W. was ripping lines of coke off his uh, off the desk at Yale. So yeah. it's like that's that's the another. Did he get a family discount? I think he did. Yeah, probably man. Got I a think, family discount. Well, he got it. Probably in, he got it in prices for it, man. That's he got it in up. bulk, man. He went to the mm-hmm. Bush Costco. Uh huh. He, he went straight to the source. Hey, Dad. Hey, yeah. pops. Hey, pops. <laughs> during this campaign, which is funny that you mentioned it this way, because coke production tripled by two thousand directly due to the Indian campaign that was launched in 91 under HW. And I do not want to throw like a, I don't want to throw or spit on like a dead guy. I don't want like, I don't want to slander his name, but HW. Dude. I I don't want to, I don't want to slander. I just want to point out the facts and I want to point out what actually happened. This isn't me trying to say just, I don't want to slander anybody that's dead because they can't defend themselves. If I say something about a live person, come at me, bro. Like I'll argue with you all day. Come I'm just me, giving you the straight up. This is what happened. And these were the causes. First of all, Did any president yeah. does any president dead or alive deserves to be critiqued. So critiqued. Yes. Slandered is yeah. different. Critiqued 100 yeah. percent. I just. OK, didn't... so would yeah. slandered be like George H.W. has like ashy balls? Uh, Yeah. Well, no, I okay. bet he does. I mean, I bet he did. You know, he was like, old. Like gray balls, mm. or I mean, like he was old. It was, I bet that's still a fact. Was, okay, slandered. Okay, slandered would be like he he likes you know he likes to like put uh, three. Fi- yeah, 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 yeah. Three fingers wherever they were going. Yeah, yeah. He likes to you know he likes to do something he didn't do mm-hmm. type of thing. I yeah, that's that's the fun way. I would say that slander is when you. When your objective is to hurt the personality or t- is to hurt the public opinion or the um, character of the person without knowing that what you're saying is fact. Mm. That so is reckless. That is attack. reckless. It's a personal attack without having the backing to say this is where it's coming from. It's just throwing out like an idea. It's just saying like, I don't know what was going through Bush's mind when it happened. So I won't say why he did it. I will say that while he was president, we engaged in the Indian campaign under his direct commander in chiefhood. We increased the sale of um, cocaine, triple so the production of cocaine. What like a lot of these things, you know, are uh, are crazy because it's the madness of crowds. Almost, you got to think back. Like, it's a good point that you make. Did did Bush Senior did George? hw uh did he what was his thought process did he say was he thinking oh i'm doing a natural good or was he thinking i gotta fuck these guys over to get power that's a good yeah. question i, don't, I know. don't no one will ever probably know I'm, I'm sure someone alive does know the answer to that actually but uh i don't think they'll be alive forever i'm sure they're probably really old at this point mm-hmm. but i do think that a lot of people inherit a lot of fucked up beliefs that are still going, coursing through our veins. They find ways of surviving. Ideas can survive for much longer than humans. We Mm -hmm. already know this. There's some 
old ass beliefs that have like trickled through some of them, some of them kind of cool, like love thy neighbor. And some of them kind of like very uncool, you know, oh, like you mean like how in certain... 2017 JP Morgan, the, uh, the largest bank in the world was fined for money laundering directly from the directly due to illicit drugs being sold like opium that initially made the Morgan family their money back in the 1700s. What? Yeah, that's a good example. What? I mean, that's a good example. And that's hey, like, that happened. That's, that's a good example. And that's also one of the ultimate examples <laughs> is, is that it's uh, rules for the, not for me. So mm -hmm. these people, if you have enough backing, if you have enough money, if you have enough friends, then you can break the law on such a massive scale, like cocaine, the cocaine trade, that it doesn't matter. And you kind of use human beings as, uh, as your fuel. You use, it, you use them up as gasoline, basically. You burn them up to get to your destination and it destroys the road in front of you. Now, are we talking about do people that are alive today or the people that were doing this in the 70s and 80s, do they deserve blame? They absolutely deserve blame. It's fucked up, though, man, because a lot of these guys, without kind of like excusing them at all, were born into these psychopathic situations where they had some sort of like lunatic, like some sort of lunatic society that kind of upheld a certain oh, yeah. belief that goes back forever. So you kind of you kind of get caught in this like environmental genetic feedback loop that turns epigenetic where it changes your brain enough to kind of ultimately you start releasing a different form of chemical when you think or act a certain way and you kind of uh, get brainwashed. Your genetics brainwash you into thinking I'm doing this for the right reasons. I'm doing this mm -hmm. because I feel better doing this. I feel pride when I do this. So that therefore it must be true. It must be good when that's not the case at all. Most of the time when it comes to this bullshit. So yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really angry about it, but it kind of comes and goes. I'm not too mad at the moment. I, I think uh, the reason I'm not, to be honest, is that I think there's a new horizon. I really do. I think I, that might be naive. I'm sure the I'm sure the government might uh, get in another another uh, futuristic drug trade uh, sort of like secret co-op mission for like flim flams or mm -hmm. Hobarts or whatever you or whatever the next drug is going to be. But there's an un, there's an unlimited amount of chemicals out there, man, and an yeah. unlimited amount of chemical reactions and drugs. This is what Hamilton Morris says. You're not you can't get rid of drugs. Mm. We, we are drugs. Yeah. The, uh, the hormones in our bodies and the neurotransmitters in our bodies, those are drugs. We're not getting rid of them. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get rid of. So what I think, I think we're on the right path with Oregon. And I think we're on the right path with uh, decriminalizing these non-addictive substances, because ultimately that's, what's going to heal us. And the government's sitting back looking like, wow, that really, uh, you know, that whole experiment is really biting us in the ass. We can't just do whatever we want forever without the laws of nature correcting course. So, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. But I think the pendulum is swinging back with this legalization and decriminalization of mushrooms. Not so much weed. I don't think I mean, I, I think weed 
actually, no, weed too. So weed has, I think, very powerful uh, sedative, like a replacement opioid is what I think where weed really comes into benefit. It doesn't help everyone. Like for me, uh, when I've, when I've, uh, in, like I smoked marijuana once in a legal environment when I was in I Amsterdam I and I didn't inhale. It yeah. was, uh, uh-huh. it was completely yeah, legal. Know. Yeah. And it was completely, I was in Amsterdam. It was completely legal. I was of age and I signed a I like written. How we both think at one point in our time, yeah. in our life, it's going to be important <laughs> enough. Like this podcast yeah. is going to be a make it yeah. or break it for like a job opportunity. I promise I didn't inhale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're going to be the, I'm going to be the next CEO of uh, uh, Gillette. Yeah. But um, hey, Musk can do it, dude. Right. He just led yeah. the way. If you can be a toke smoking CEO, you're good smoke joking but that's what i'm saying is it doesn't work for everyone weed is a very weird thing because a lot of people just ruin their lives on weed i'm not gonna like try and lie like and say that it's just not it's not it's all good you know and i don't want to say ruin people's lives in some sort of horrible opioid way that's why it's better than opioids because it ruins people's lives less than opioids but also kills pain Mm -hmm. so you know there's pluses and minuses to it i mean i think that that's what you just said is this cool hope and idea but what happens when a drug becomes decriminalized and then becomes controlled the government starts making money off of it so when the government starts making money off of it yeah all of the all the black money that we talked about that five like i know it's a huge amount difference of 500 billion to a trillion but because it's black money the amount really isn't known all of those guys are still going to want their cut and so something else is going to be developed. Something else is then going to be illegal. Something else is going to be illicit. And they're still going to be getting their money because that foundation is so ingrained in the system that we currently have. We're yeah. not going to be able to step away from it. I think that there's a chance that instead of it actively being out in the world, it'll be more like dark web. You'll be able to put on your VR. You'll have a chemical doof to your brain. And then you just zone out with whatever type of high you want in a virtual world. Because then you can't say that like drugs on the street are the problem, at least. There can be these illicit drugs, but you're not having the active war on drugs, the going out and trying to kick open doors. You're not having the militarization of the police. You're not having the social impacts of illegal drugs that we currently are within the relationship of, you know, those that govern and absolutely government's supposed to be protecting. I mean, we don't, I mean, the nanny state is a terrible thing, but. You know, there's a lot of other terrible things too. You got to. We're not even a fucking nanny state. I'm yeah. sorry, I got to get this one out because it's been driving me fucking crazy. We spend nearly 800 billion on military every single year. We spend 400 billion on infrastructure. Well, we that can be half. Tr- Both of those can be true at the same time. Uh, nanny state to me means telling me that I'm telling someone they're not allowed to eat a pot brownie. That's what I mean by nanny state state. for me is the bridge you're about to drive over doesn't collapse because guess what happened right here on 64 at the Bay Bridge Tunnel? What? Oh, uh, 64 West dropped about two inches last Friday because our infrastructure is so old that they had to do emergency repairs on it. What what do you think that nanny state means? What what is your definition? I want nanny state to be this definition. Not that it is. I want it to be this definition. Oh, okay. The things that you need are cared for. 
just like a nanny does. Here are your cookies after coming home from school. Okay. Here's so your you're blanket because talking... you're cold. I want okay. like the British nanny. I don't want the Orson Welles 1984 nanny state. I want the you're... British. Okay. I want Mary Poppins. I don't want. You're talking Scopia. about the connotation. Okay. Yeah. I got you. We should, we should rechange, know, resurrect yeah, yeah. that, resurrect the right connotation on uh -huh. that. Yeah, all I'm saying, all I'm saying <laughs> is that there are a lot of drugs out there that people use every day that are completely legal and it's insane. So alcohol yeah. is a very obvious one, but then, you know, I think obviously I think the most addictive drug out there or the, the drug we're seeing that's causing all this is uh, power. I think people get addicted to power and that creates psychopathy. And that's right. what we're seeing with this, with this like drug war. And since you've in, since it's an internal drug, you can't really make it. You can't decriminalize pride it. Pride and gluttony, man. I know, I know, and it's hard to even put your finger on what pride is. I think pride is not one thing, but uh, but yeah, man. Pride is the get... antithesis of love and charity, like the two things where it's like I can I will freely and wholly give of myself selfishly yeah. to the benefit of another. That is love and charity, right? Well, yeah, that is pride, which is I am doing everything for me. We'll go yeah. we'll go into that more in detail in another podcast, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I do need to show you a uh, a chart of um, energy levels. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen this before, but it's actually the microscopic megahertz. Is it a chakra of, map? Is it a Naruto chakra? Map? It's a scientific chakra map. Sweet. So basically it's, yeah, it's, it involves megahertz instead of like the names of Indian mm -hmm. gods, but it's the same sort of thing. And pride, you're right. Love is, love is like super close to the top. I guess that, I guess what they call an enlightenment is above love. So love is way up there at the top. Then pride is definitely down like below the middle, but there's stuff like below pride. Absolutely. But we'll get into it in another oh, yeah. podcast. Pride, pride is viewed as the, um, is like the chief sin and then everything yeah. else falls under it. If you just real quick, I'll just give this example. So why did, you know, Adam and Eve bite the apple? It was for pride. It was, I want to become like God. I well, want to become as God. That's like in, in the biblical sense of it, the, the very first sin is pride before the apple is even eaten before it's the, there's already pride before the, the physical fall pride has instilled itself in man. And, then everything else happens. I would disagree with that interpretation because I think it's a, uh, I think it's a mushroom, not an apple, but okay. uh, we can. So definitely... why did somebody eat the mushroom pride knowledge, spiritual awakening, but that's, but I'm going more realistic. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. you're, you're going more. Well, nobody, if you're saying the you're apple, going more, nobody uh, ate the, the first cultural. time somebody ate a mushroom wasn't for, I'm taking you too literally. I'm talking about the plains of Africa, the Garden of Eden, and yeah. the plains of Africa. Uh -huh. I'm being too. I'm being too literal. Being Sorry. too literal. Get we'll out go of into, literal. Yeah, we'll go into that in another day too. But uh, but What's yeah, your favorite I, story. It is my favorite story, just, just and favorite there's story. nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. You just need there's to tell the whole story. You just need to write a kid's version of this story and then read it on the podcast to just yeah let it go. You know, enlighten yourself in the world. Yeah, the stoned ape theory, we talked about it before, but I think that's an unethical uh, trial. But I think if we got some chimpanzees and started giving them a diet of psilocybin mushrooms, I'd be fascinated to see what happens. But anyway, back to our point. I we mean, were... we can give 
Uh, we can force feed geese uh, acorns and force feed pigs. What they eat acorns as well. Yeah. Yeah, but acorns don't have some sort of uh, effect. Like yeah, a, but we're doing a... it straight to make them fat in order to. Oh, that's needle. true. Like, oh, you're right. So I guess that does affect the brain. It just affects it negatively. Yeah, I mean, if if you can get, uh, you just gotta go to the right country and get the right permit. I'm pretty sure there's a way. Yeah, you really wanted to do it. Where there's a will, there's a way, homie. Yeah, yeah. you just need to get the right permits so the monkey doesn't. <laughs> rip your face off i'm pretty sure that if you pay uh jp morgan enough that the bank will figure out a way to get that permit for you there will always be another chemical that people make illicit to try and give it power to then try and it's basically artificial inflation and deflation of markets you make something illegal and that automatically skyrockets the value of the stock on the illegal you know, the mm -hmm. dark stock market, not that there is such a thing, but, um, is there, but it, but you know, it, it's human nature where something's not allowed that makes it valuable in different channels. So, mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's what it comes down to is the manipulation of cash money. And I forgot earlier to tell you about the other thing. So I talked about, I briefly mentioned growing crops indoors switching from fossil to electricity and then humans with the population crisis. But I didn't mention motherfucking Bitcoin. So we need to mm, go down that one. I want to get a, uh, a money guy on for that one to just break yeah. down Bitcoin for us. Yeah. So that we can understand it. Yeah. I, I have a pretty uh, sturdy knowledge, like right above beginners. So I, I'm not a beginner, so I've got a fairly decent, sturdy knowledge. I want to get I, somebody on that like has invested and knows what to do. Somebody yeah. with the money, you know, not like us because but we're basically broke complaining about rich people. Oh, well, dude, no, I, I've got crypto. I, yeah, I've definitely got crypto. I've been investing in crypto for like uh, three or four years. Nice. You, so you that pop. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, no, I, so I can't talk about the technical shit. So we should get someone on there for that for sure. Cause it's so confusing, but I do know about cultural implications and we can always shoot the shit about that. Uh, Word. the cultural implications on what we're talking about now are massive. Mm -hmm. They're huge, man. Bitcoin is going to revolutionize the way people exchange value and there's not going to be any middleman in there. It's cutting out the government, which is a massive existential crisis for the government. So I'll be interested to see where that lands. And we'll have to talk about this more on another yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I hate that we always say that. We need to fucking just actually have, do it. Have the rant of the day and then do the rant when we want to do the rant on the other day. We're going to talk about it in another podcast. Yeah, exactly. We just can't tell you which podcast it's going to be. I know, you know, dip and dive and duck and weave and be slippery, baby. Mm -hmm. You know, you that's, those, there's a description of it. It'll tell you when it is. You can skip yeah. four podcasts ahead by the time. This Seriously. And if I was to kind of come up with like a saying right now in my head, it would be keep it greasy. Mm. Nice. You like that? I like it. It makes me want a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just thinking like you can't grab onto it. That, mm. That's what that's like Bitcoin. Keep it greasy. Mm. I just you can't just want a grilled cheese sandwich. You should <laughs> you should start a cryptocurrency. 
called uh-huh. grilled cheese. Grilled cheese, man. Ooh. Um, what type of capital do I need for that? What type uh, of technical support do I need for that? You need some serious spatulas for that, bro. Oh, oh, I'll get my last, my last quick. Uh, Let's get back on the rails. The, the government anger. So why I brought up like the military, you know, seven hundred and fifty billion dollar budget every year versus our measly four hundred billion dollar budget for infrastructure versus our around forty five billion dollar budget for uh, international aid and development, which a third of that at least is military international aid. So that's us giving military stuff to other governments. That, that mm-hmm. falls under our international development. Um, well, I've <laughs> been doing a uh, little bit of small research into like, okay, how exactly is this money given out a bit? And the one thing that drove me the most insane is how most of the money that's allocated from for the military actually doesn't even go to the military, it goes directly to contractors. So we're then paying private companies, which we do with Amazon. It's how Bezos has all his money. We do this across the board. It's pain in the ass. It's ridiculous. But we don't set an actual rate for that. These contractors come in, put in these bids, and then are based off of the best bid, then they receive it, and then they get to go and make whatever it is. Well, for a lot of these high-end contractors, the bonuses that they're getting when they're actually doing the work is fucking nuts. It's like, sinful, it's, man. It's, have you seen have you seen War Dogs? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, that. it's not the same, but it's almost exactly like that. People Dude. that don't really know what the fuck they're doing, getting a lot of money for being corrupt. It, um, so there's a lot of people out there and you can go and check out these numbers. I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to say where, but I can tell you that it is 100% true. Are getting anywhere from like a, 150,000 to 200,000 a year solely in stipends to do these contracts. Yeah. So that's not their salary that they're getting. That's nothing like that. They're getting all of these living expenses so that they're basically living for free. Everything is free because of these stipends and incentives. You're having people live in $10,000 a month homes under government contracts. Taxpaying money is going to the military budget that is twice the size of our infrastructure budget and then is funneled out into these corporations or the contractors who then are just lavishly spending and throwing money everywhere. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, there's a uh, rows and rows of tents for homeless people, like in all in cities across America, especially L.A., Mm -hmm. especially San Francisco, um, especially Oh man, San Diego. We're so fucking stupid that we think the person that's getting that stipend earned it. They didn't fucking earn it. They just got well, lucky. That, that's what that's what we go back to when we talk about the psychopathy of the culture that you're born into. We're born into this culture that says it's okay, it's acceptable, it's allowed for people to be homeless. I want to normalize. Uh, there's a bunch of things I'd like to normalize, but one of them is no, that's not okay. You want yeah. if you really do want to make America great again, like you're trying to say, you need to make less losers. How, how do you make less losers? Get people off the streets, restructure the budget, get your ass in gear, go find that fucking dog. Right. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I just I'm just I'm just mad.
Yeah. I'm, I, I go in and out of being mad because it's, you spend your whole life. I mean, this is thanks to oh, school. Oh, I'm mad too. during this podcast. I just say, yeah. fuck it all on this podcast. And then I'm going to yeah. do my yoga and then I'm going to do my readings and I'm going to go into my world and be happy about it. But yeah, I'll like, sweat it out. I'm going to start. I, I'm, I'm going to sweat it joking. out. I'm going to start calling my, uh, the Senator and Congressman. I'm just going to have them on speed dial. And every day I'm just going to leave a message that says restructure well, the government. Well, it's it's the it's so deep, man. It's the psychopathy, like a like we were saying, it's the psychopathy. It's the madness of crowds. It's the psychopathy of the uh, society you're born into and what you accept as normal. We accept as normal as putting children into these fluorescent boxes to Mm -hmm. kind of learn a bunch of nonsense and sit down and be still and, and kind of it's 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 brainwashing it's complete yeah. brainwashing and you know it's acceptable because you know it's it's sanctioned and they're and they're okay so it's not all bad i'm not trying to get i'm getting heated now and we need to stop soon because i need to go sweat this out but uh anyway i think you're right lance i think i'm right um and i i you know i think everybody else is wrong yeah all <laughs> y'all are wrong you you're wrong yeah it's dumb. wrong you're wrong. I'm the Listen only right one. Us with our You're mediocre wrong. partied education and You're wrong. couple of Dude, Google articles. We're mo- modern philosophers. Modern mm-hmm. philosophers, bro. But anyway, yeah, I, I'd like to. We should probably end it. End it on that note. I don't want to get too boiled, but we'll talk about all these things in another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll just end with this one. Uh, after being caught in 2000 and. 17 for money laundering somewhere of billions and billions of dollars uh jp morgan got fined two billion and really didn't even have to pay it that's like a that's not even a slap on the wrist it's like <laughs> nothing happened absolutely like, nothing happened that's like flicking the air like five feet away yeah. from them yeah you're like you're bad it's like somebody sitting bad. on a couch five feet yeah. away and you're like you're bad Bad. Yeah, bad then, JP Morgan, you bad. And then yeah. after after they say you bad, they just turn around it's and like, walk it's away. A, you bad. Oh, would you like a cookie? Yeah. You bad. Here's your cookie. And yeah. then they turn around and walk yeah. away. <laughs> your cookie's oatmeal raisin. Now remember what yeah. you did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm punishing you. Okay, so there's no raisins in it. I put yeah. chocolate chips in it uh-huh. for you. And it's not but still, oatmeal. It's got a lot of sugar. But you're still bad. You're still bad. <laughs> all right lance good talking to you buddy all right brother love you man chat soon Peace. peace